We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey there, Knicks fans. How you doing? It's your boy, John of the Mac, here with you for another episode of the Knicks Film School Podcast. Coming at you on a, uh, let's see, if I'm recording this on a Tuesday, that must mean it's coming to you on a Wednesday. I am so smart. S-M-R-T. I mean, S-M-A-R-T. I see Andrew Claudia is already laughing in the background. Hello, Andrew. <laughs> Hi, John. <laughs> It's been that, you know what? It's that kind of a start to the week, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's been a start indeed. Yeah. It's <laughs> TRT. There you go. <laughs> um, so first, let me say we got coming on uh, Mike Basic, the great Mike Basic. Uh, uh, just absolutely a, a guest to um, to say he's always on and and engaging and I can listen to Mike talk for like hours. Um, we recorded the podcast actually. Um, uh, on Monday um, to preview uh, the Knicks upcoming game with the uh, Dallas Dallas Knickerbockers, uh, as it were. Although one one particular former Knickerbocker uh, is is not going to be making an appearance. It was announced today that Kristaps uh, Porzingis is. I think he's, he was he still in protocols. Yeah, he's still in protocols. Okay. Are you bummed that you're that we're, the garden will not be welcoming back? I actually don't even think the, I think with all the Julia stuff, we should talk about the Julia stuff. I think with all the Julia stuff going on, I bet you that it would have been a muted reaction anyway. I think Julius would have liked for KP to be back. <laughs> so there was attention focused in a different direction. Although if Porzingis had played the way he's been playing lately, maybe it actually would have just made things worse to be completely honest. Talk about a uh, that's why I get like the notion that we tried to analyze that trade like the in the 24 to 48 hours after it happened when there's Mm -hmm. been like, I don't know how many back and forths at this point. Um, But, you know, like people like some smart people said at the time, check back in like seven years. uh, And we'll see two of two of those smart people host this podcast, too. Like Jeremy was very vocal on like, this is not something you determine the value or the winner of immediately. This is something that, you know, we're going to know years from now. And I was, I my biggest memory of that is like, Oh, so we're getting Durant and Kyrie. Cause you don't make this trade unless you know something yeah. via tampering. And 
lo and behold, here we are. They can't even beat Portland in their only way to play together on the road last night. So that's uh, what a wild couple of years it's been. I actually I watched the end of that. I watched the second half of that Brooklyn game. They're they're not in a great place right now. Um, but we don't have to talk about the Nets. We should touch on Randall before we get to my conversation with uh, with Basic. Um, it it like most topics. Like every every topic about this team because it's the Knicks. There is a take cycle, but it's usually there's a there's a thing that happens, and then there's a take about the thing that happens, and then there's a pushback to the take the thing that happened to the thing that happens, and then that's pretty much it. It feels like with this Julius thing, which I don't even know what that means anymore when I say this Julius thing, it feels like the cycle has now gone a few times around, and it's like, but it's not. Like, I don't even know like where, where are most people's opinions at? Do they like, do they want him here? Do they want him gone? Do they do? Are they frustrated with him, but they want him to stay, but they feel bad for him. Like, I, like, I don't even know where people's heads are at. So there are levels to it. And I think the lazy answer is it's a bit of all of the above at the moment. I think it is as human beings, we both like feel for Julius in a way that like, it seemed like last season, he, worked his butt off, got in shape, took on a leadership role, had all the workout videos you want to see from the supposed team leader coming into this season, was trying to make it work with all the new pieces. And just something happened at some point in this season. I can't pinpoint a moment where an effort level just stopped being there from him. And the body language went a certain direction. And I don't know if it has anything to do with Obi and the resurgence and the the fan favorite he's become. And it's gotten to a point now where last night RJ has the game. He has like IQ and, and Grimes have the really nice games. They have really nice games. And Randall's the story because he had two points. He was chirping back and forth with fans. And like you're chirping at I, someone. I, I, so I, don't, I don't, yeah. I don't know. I wasn't there, obviously. And a lot of accounts that, that from people there were saying that he was chirping back, but that he heard it the entire night, basically. Oh, he's hearing he's hearing everything. Well, so that's where I have to think that a line was crossed. And that's that's not reporting. That's no factual basis. I just yeah. have to believe that something was said to him, whether it's like in the direction of his wife and kid in the direction of him about something personal that has made it that it's so adversarial now. And I don't like you took a little bit of shit today for the tweet you replied to that you would do. A, oh yeah. My fake, my, fr- I would, would I, do a Harrison you know Barnes funny about that? Mitchell trade. And I was like, in my I head, actually- it's like, that's a resolution to this issue. If Julius, I- if this situation gets more toxic, not even thinking about the value back, you know, well, it was good. I could have made it worse. I was going to write. I, but I think Sacramento would say no. Mm. <laughs> so that for anybody who's, who is not on Twitter, first of all, fucking fantastic life decision by you. God bless you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I should give myself a pat on the back. I, I literally go on to promote my, I ju- I'm just going to be honest. I go on there to promote my stuff and our stuff. Um, and then like give my occasional reply or two just to the people who take the time to, to, uh, you know, ask me a direct question, which I was replying to. Somebody was like, would you do, um, what was it? Julius and Knox for 
Harrison Barnes and um and Davion Davion Mitchell, Mitchell. who yeah. was the I think what was he the number seven pick in the eight nine nine, nine, nine pick, pick in, the in the draft yeah um not having a great season um you know has had a little bit of a stretch but you know he's a decent prospect um and I was like yeah I I wouldn't think twice about it I would happily do that and I guess people thought I I uh, had lost my mind um because I I guess people still think of the value of so that's the, there's two components to it, right? There's what is the value of Julius Randle, the basketball player? And then what is the situation in New York where are we at? I mean, it's never to the point of no return, right? Like we've seen athletes go to way, 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 way darker places with the fan base, with the team, with their teammates, with like throughout New York sports history. Like it is not to that point yet. Like Julius could have two straight good games and like, you know, everyone's gonna be, it's gonna be fine. Um, so I don't want to make it out to be like that. I just, I, I, that's not, I've responded more as a basketball trade, like from a value perspective, I think it's good value. And look, this is where I go back and forth between wondering if Twitter is like a vocal minority of the fan base. If it actually does drive a conversation of the fan base, like the booze you hear, is that because like Nick's Twitter said, let's start booing Randall or <laughs> I I don't. Uh, if it's just like not a real place, like Twitter is just our little bubble. Where I don't we think Twitter talk is. about the Knicks. And then the real world has like a lot of Knicks fans that are like, oh, damn, Randall's struggling, but he's got years to figure it out. Why is this like select few at the garden booing him? So well, vociferously, though, it's an it's an interesting you, you bring up something interesting of the, the, the dynamic between how most Knicks fans feel and how select few few Nick fans feel because I think there are select pockets of Nick fans who feel very vociferously in many different directions about Randall people who will defend him till, till, you know, to all end. Um, And then there's people who would just get him, get him off the team and who wanted him off the team even after last season, before the season even begun, Um, you know, and then there's everything in the middle. I just, you know, look in terms of the leadership angle of it the 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 as long as he's here he's going to continue to take a lion's share of the offense and even if getting rid of him that will take a step back is that is there a path to then take two steps forward from that um you know type of decision i what you give me a look well this is where this is where we have to return to the conversation we had in the offseason. And it's a reality that we all need to establish exists. Unless you think this front office would fire Tibbs or this front office would actually consider trading Julius Randle, Obi Toppin is a backup and is being used as one. And as much as we love him and we want to see him explore a ceiling here with the Knicks, like you might actually be able to use him as an asset. And what I fear, and I think a lot of Knicks fans would never want, but should prepare themselves for as we get closer to this deadline. You and I have talked about this off air. If you're going to trade Obi, they might actually consider Obi top in a trade asset, which makes you wonder if a way to kickstart Julius is to get rid of his backup. That is a fan favorite and show him personally. We are all in. The problem with that thinking, though, that I have gone back to the past couple of days is if it's not just that Obi's a fan favorite, but that Randall's become a villain, that's just bad business at a certain point. We opened this talking about the Porzingis trade. I almost wonder if the reaction to an Obi trade would be even worse. I, I don't know. Um, what I do know is Julius Randall 
in his last year in LA in which he averaged not and not insignificant 16 points a game uh, played 27 minutes a night had a um, 56.3 effective field goal percentage that year. He's almost 100 points mm-hmm. below that at 46.8, which is a far cry from last season, which was 51.6, which you could, which was not great, which was below the average for, I mean, if you look, just anyone could go and look at like the high usage guys from last year. Most of those guys are in the 60, 70, 80th percentile um, in, in um, points per shot attempt. And there's Julius down there in the forties. Yeah. And now he's, he's in the teens, you know, um, like it's safe it, to say this is his worst, like high usage season oh, it's, of his career. Right. It, it's, it's not even close. Yeah. And, and the thing, and like, the, just to touch on the Barnes thing one time, one more time, because like, I know people hear Harrison Barnes are like, Oh yeah, the guy that's a bust that they got rid of. And Kevin Durant went there. Like that's not Harrison Barnes anymore. Harrison Barnes is like a really solid role player. He's not a usage, a crazy usage guy. He's not, he's not going to, you know, um, change your world, but he's like a very, very solid number three, number four on a very good team. Unfortunately, he's had to be Sacramento's best player. And oh, by the way, he's still damn efficient this year. How a lot more efficient than Julius. Like most contenders, if they had a choice between like you could have Harrison Barnes on your team for the rest of this season or Julius Randle on your team for the rest of the season. I don't think there's a contender that would think twice about it. Especially this season's Julius Randle, where but that's he's still high usage, can't play off ball. And like in theory, yeah, you take the guy that made second team all NBA last year and roll the dice that he figures it out. But you'd rather well, have a guy that you can count on to play off ball. That's the issue with any of these hypothetical trades that people were throwing out there. The the Atlanta trades that got thrown out last night. I just like, why is anybody accepting somebody onto their team that's going to take the ball out of Trey Young's hands? You're you're going you're 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 gonna if it ever gets done. And I don't, I don't think it's going to get, I just want to be very clear about that. I don't think there's I, not that. I don't think that I, a couple weeks ago, I would have said there's not a chance in hell that they trade Julius Randle before the deadline. I won't say that. I still think it's highly unlikely. And it, it would take, it would have to be a situation where the Knicks felt like they got an offer that they, you know, the Godfather offer an offer they couldn't refuse. And I just don't, I don't know who's going to make that for, I think for it's Randall. an off. I think it's an off season offer. Too. Yeah. It's an off season yeah. thing, but, but, it, but just to, to, to close the loop and then we'll get to, to the interview with Mike. Um, I, I don't think like if you're in the Knicks front office right now, I'm not saying Obi Obi Toppin's not, not changing anybody's life. All right. Um, he is a, he is a solid player that if you put him in the rights, if you, that's the other part of it is the Knicks don't really have the offense that could fully exploit Obi Toppin. You need to have, I mean, you need to have the, the the late aughts Suns teams that made Amari Stoudemire a first team All NBA player, like the best guard in the league. I was going to say, and you need the late aughts Suns personnel. That yeah, no, no, that's Steve Nash. No, I mean, shift, you, you know? need to have one of the most dynamic point guards in the league, um, and several other playmakers on the floor at the time at the same time who can just. That dude's just going to get twenty, you know, garbage points a game on fast breaks and and uh, and and duck ins and whatever else. Um, they don't have that personnel, so you know, I, it, it's like. It, so that being said about Obi, I don't think the next front office could just blindly go forward and being like, "Look, we don't have to make any decisions about these particular assets right now. We got Obi under contract for two and a half more years before he's restricted. We got Julius under contract for X amount more years. Like, I don't think, 
I don't think that's the best way forward. I feel like at some point in the near future, they at least internally need to decide like, look, we're going path A, we're going path B. Um, Doesn't have to be right now. It doesn't even have to be before this trade deadline, but you know, rookie value. I how do, do you remember, Mr. Andrew Claudio, the conversations that we had about Kevin Knox ahead of the trade deadline of his second season mm-hmm. when there was some hemming and hawing going on? Like, oh, well, wait, hold on. We can't can't trade Knox now. He's value, like, you know. Well, like as someone who's been part of the Knicks content machine the past couple of years, you notice some patterns and some trends. And there's a a portion of this fan base. I'm not even 100% sure how big the portion is that their favorite two games of the season so far were the two games that he was in protocol. You got to see the kids play a lot. You got to see Obi play 45 minutes one game. They got blown out, but it didn't matter because there was no expectations. They just wanted to see the kids play. And it took me back to 2019 when they were getting killed every night. The score didn't matter because it was going to be double digits at a certain point. You could stop watching somewhere around the second quarter. And there was a lot of Knicks fans that said, this was one of my favorite seasons. I liked watching these kids develop. And then in the the world we knew before July, July 1st of Katie and Kyrie could still potentially come here. And do you then trade every asset you have for Anthony Davis? There was a sentiment of like, no, I don't want to trade the kids and all our assets for one player. I want to see those kids grow with this franchise. And it's, it's where I, I go back to this thing. Like if that's, if that's your thinking, some of you deserve David Fisdale. Some of you deserve a 65 loss team rather than one that gives you expectations that gives you a playoff race to root for. And I think that is part of why Julius has had such a frustration this year. And this is honestly pure speculation because I, I don't know Julius. I don't know enough on the inside. But me personally, if I worked my butt off to give fans the season they had last year and within 20 games of the following year, calls for my backup to take away playing time from me rather than for me to be part of the solution and figuring it out and turning around, to the point where we're like, hypothetically trading him to Sacramento. Like I empathize with his frustration. If that's where we are, don't start a war with the paying customer. That's just a dumb idea, but it's where I can understand as Stefan Bonnie laid out in the article, I can understand if this is why he's having such a hard time right now that the paying customer that he dedicated so much to last year has completely turned on him. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you know, I love, I, I exist in this weird place where like, I love Obi Toppin. I love watching Obi Toppin. He's probably my, I don't know. He's my second favorite Nick right now, maybe second, third. Um, but I'm also not someone that wants to fire Tibbs because he doesn't play Toppin, you know, 25 minutes a game. Um, so like, I, I don't, I don't, but uh, like logically it makes sense to get value for him well, you can at the same time, like that just screams to me like, no, that is not the way this organization should be operating right now. And in my, in my core, I, I, I can't even say that. I don't even know. I don't know. Like if you ask me to put money on it right now, we'll be top and be here after the trade deadline. I, I would flip a coin. I would, Oh, so you think it's, you think it's closer to 50, 50. Oh, I think I wouldn't feel confident putting money on either. Okay. I think the funniest part, the unintentional humor of all of this, is the conversations we had throughout the off season where 
I defiantly yeah. was like, Tibbs is never going to do this. And then here we are. You're saying like, yeah, Tibbs was never going to do this now. And the fan base is like, why won't Tibbs play Ovi and Randall together? And meanwhile, this is established during the offseason. He was I mean, never going to do this. Yeah, you were right. I was wrong on that. Well, no, it has nothing to do with right and wrong. It is solely about establishing a reality we all can operate in when analyzing this team. Calling for Tibbs to play Ovi at the five, as Fred said last week, as we were all arguing with you about this offseason, is not just something schematically that Tibbs won't go to. It's philosophically against who he is. He needs us an established rim protector, a true center. That's just like who he is as a coach, which is why I was like, what are we doing thinking Tibbs is actually going to do this this offseason? It's why now I think you're feeling some of that frustration that fans are calling for the hashtag free OV. And it's like, you don't understand who the coach is calling for OB to play the five in a Tib system. is like going to the Yankees and saying, why doesn't Aaron judge hit left-handed like short porches right there. Why wouldn't you have him bat lefty? So this way he's got a shorter distance to a home run. Yeah. Cause they're, they were never going to do that. I think it's that radical change to his philosophy as Fred Katz laid out last week. So like, look, I, I think the, the thing we didn't factor in was like the drop off for Julius and then potential villainization of Julius might make one of the radical situations of either trade Obi trade Julius or fire Tibbs. Like the trade Julius might actually be closer to the coin toss you were talking about, but it's why the, the logical solution that I see is that if Tibbs is going to treat him as a backup, unless I see them, any report float out there that like Tibbs' jobs in jeopardy or Julius could be available. I, I think we should all brace ourselves for what could potentially happen with this this young Dayton star that we've fallen in love with. Well, I look, I don't, if if they if they are really going to entertain, if they would open their minds up to the notion of potentially moving on from Randall, that's a different story. Because then I do think again, Toppin not a life changing piece, but a good enough piece that you could feel. Like, okay, we have something here. We don't know exactly what we have, but we think it's pretty good. And, we, you know, we'll, we'll play this out and we'll, we'll see where it goes. I don't know. Um, he needs to learn how to shoot. Um, how's that? <laughs> For- he needs to make defenses a little more honest when he's in the corner. Yes. Uh, yes. Just yes. a bit. Okay. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. 
If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Joining me now on the next film school podcast, someone I am always teeming with excitement to introduce. Um, it's not just because he used to play for the New York Mets. It's not just because we share uh, in the ability to playfully, playfully tease one Christoph's Porzingis. Uh, <laughs> but he's just an awesome, an awesome, awesome, awesome guy. You can hear him on 105.3 The Fan, of course, uh, covering all of Dallas sports, including the Mavericks, which is who we're going to talk about today because the Knicks play him this week. My main man, Mike Bassick. How you doing, buddy? Oh, man, I'm doing good, Jonathan. Thanks for having me on. I'll check you out every once in a while on those um, Knicks post-game shows. I, I always feel like they are more entertaining. Unfortunately, you guys have been losing more than winning as last year, but they are pretty entertaining when you guys lose. You know, it's funny. I don't think most Nick fans would agree that they are more entertaining after the Knicks lose, but I'm glad you feel that way. Well, as a person who I am rooting for the Knicks, I'm not like a huge Knicks fan, right? They don't affect my life at all. If they no. win or lose like the Mavericks or Cowboys or Rangers, or they don't affect me at all. I'm rooting for them from afar. But I find it fun as a observer of Nick's post game when they lose on how mad or how uh, unhappy I will say that the fans can be after a game. Well, that's you know what? That's actually a really great place to start, because, again, I don't I don't unfortunately get to pick the the brains of former professional athletes a lot this season. Since again, you have, I know you have checked it out occasionally and we, we talk offline, you know, that this has been a frustrating season for Knicks fans. Um, but the way that I feel hearing people out and obviously we all know Twitter, it's always opinions flying around on Twitter. You would think that the team is, I don't know, 10 and 30 or, or something to that fact, or 11 right. and 29 or something. You know, the Knicks are two games under 500. They've had some injuries. They've had some COVID stuff. They've had some nice wins. They've had plenty of uh, terrible losses. Do, do you find that the, did you find at least, you know, anywhere you played, but especially in New York, that expectations had a lot to do with how fans reacted to seasons that maybe did not go the way you wanted them to go. Sure. Uh, being with the Mets when I was in 02 was my first year. They're coming off of being in the World Series in 2000. Obviously, you have 2001, which doesn't go the Mets way. And you also have September 11th, which changed a lot of things. But in 02 and 03, my two years with the Mets, 
back and forth between there and AAA Norfolk is the expectation was if you're not not only making the playoffs, being a playoff contender, but then looking like a World Series contender because the expectations changed after 2000, then you guys suck, right? Yeah. And it was tough for me. I'm coming from the Indians organization, which was a great organization, making the playoffs on a consistent basis in the mid, late 90s and get traded after 01 and they made the playoffs and lost to Seattle in a five-game series is, yeah, I expected to be uh, on a winner. It looked like a winning team, but you try to keep things in perspective as a player. It's tough. Can you? In New York, it's tough because of how many people are covering you. And now, look, I'm on a podcast right now. This is a great podcast. Oh, thousands of New York Knicks fans follow this podcast for more content on their team. When I played, there was tons of papers and radio, but there wasn't even podcast yet. There wasn't Twitter yet. There wasn't Instagram yet. So now it's even times, I don't know, times three, times five, when it was early 2000s on how many people are covering the teams and especially in New York and you try to keep perspective, but we hear as a former player and I know now they all hear all this. They won't hear everything, but they hear the expectations. They hear the uh, concerns that the, the, they hear it all, whether it's great. Cause last year it was unexpected. Everything was great. But from New York, right now, the New York Knicks, they finished in, in a, I can't remember if they were four or five. I know they're in the four. They, were, they got the four seed. It, was, right. it came down to the wire, but yeah. Right. With Atlanta. And now the expectation is same thing in Dallas. All right. You made the playoffs. I don't care anymore. Making the playoffs. That is the, the bar is there. What's the next level? The next level is showing me you can be a contender, like a real contender, not just make the playoffs. And that's where Nick fans are. I totally get it because that's where we're at in Dallas. Making the playoffs. I don't give a crap anymore, Luca. You've made the playoffs. <laughs> and we win a playoff series. And when we get into this, it's looking better over the last 10 days for the Mavericks. But we've been in the same place of like right around 500. Who gives a crap? Round 500 is, is kind of like, it's fine, but it's not entertaining for us anymore. So you, you just said the last 10 games um, and they, they have been very good over the last 10 games. I actually, I was just playing around with some of the numbers before. So first uh, let's see what it was. So as of right now for the year, you guys are actually 10th in net rating. It's amazing because if you look back at um, it was, let's see what this date was on December 7th, you guys had a losing record. Um, 11 and 12, one game under 500, negative 1.8 net rating, 23rd in the league at that time, above basically the tanking teams and the Blazers and the Kings, who are not teams that you want to be associated with. Since then, the third best team by net rating, trailing only the Grizzlies and the Cavs. The Grizzlies have been playing as well as anybody in basketball for a while now. Um, and then, and then as you guys and you're 11 and six, and that's been. You're putting it together. Luke has been there for a, a, some of those games. KP's been there for some of those games. Right. Um, has the play materially? Well, let me. I actually want to take it a different route. Have you seen like a, a level of just like is it execution? Is it more effort? Is it the coaching? Is it health? What do you attribute the turnaround to? Not health. Everything else, yes. The COVID has been killing a lot of the NBA. It's been killing the maps right now. Jason Kidd isn't coaching. I mean. Lucas had it. Now Porzingis has it. Tim Hardaway Jr. had every 
Reggie Bullock, right? Almost every player at this point, I assume like, I believe Dwight Powell and Dorian Finney-Smith, if I'm correct, like they're pretty much the only two players that haven't had it on the team. I expect in the next 10 days or so that they're both going to get it and be out too. So health hasn't been what has helped the Mavericks, but I will say this to everything else. Yes. Around that time, around December 7th, I don't know the exact game and I don't know the exact day. Jason Kidd called out this team, called out the Mavericks team as not being a team that was trying very hard on defense and giving the effort said, well, this team isn't built for defense. Almost maybe a little bit of shot at maybe Mark Cuban or Nico, Nico general manager GM. Yeah. Hasn't been been able to really do much. He was a late hire type of deal, but it's almost like, well, you didn't build this team for defense. These guys sulk when they don't make their shots and then they don't get back on defense. And as much as I love Luca and he's one of the best in the NBA, he's still immature. He's just 22. Sometimes he can get distracted in fighting the referees instead of playing the game of basketball and getting back on defense. Kid called all these things out. He called out Luca specifically on arguing with the refs. He called out the team for not uh, being a defensive team and trying on defense. And if your shot wasn't going in, then you guys gave up the other end and would allow easy transition buckets. And slowly but surely, this team is starting to play good team basketball. We don't play fast. The Mavs are a slow-paced team. Sometimes they can score a lot, but it's still a, a methodical offense. They're hitting shots now. They're moving the ball. Uh, Jalen Brunson has taken his game to another level, which has really helped. We're, we're going to talk about Jalen in a bit, yeah. And the, the, the role players have been playing their roles now for about, about two weeks at a high level. The role players are doing what they need to do, hit their open shots, play solid defense, um, rebound well, because this isn't a, when you look specifically at the Mavericks, they don't have any good rebounders. Luke is the best rebounder for his position. Yeah. But they're team rebounding. They're going at all of them are going after the ball. They're hustling. They're moving the ball. They're getting the open shot. So all of a sudden, Jason Kidd, who I have to give a lot of credit to, even though he's not coaching right now because of COVID, seems to have brought this team together and they're playing more of a team style, more of a defensive style. And it's all right now looking very good. It can change, but right now they're playing their best basketball by far. Well, I mean, so I, I, I hear that what you're, saying and i would love to be able to be like well that's great that gives us hope here in new york right for a turnaround maybe it's tim says something maybe this or that and the other thing you know and the sad reality is when you have a team that's you know luka Doncic is the son and everybody orbits around him and by the way we said it briefly before we went on air and we have i will have to acknowledge it the other guy's been playing pretty well too and he's he's talented um, and then it, it all all the way on down Brunson, Tim Hardaway, Jr., you know, all those guys. And you refuse to say Porzingis. <laughs> if you're going to make me fine, I'll say <laughs> Porzingis has been playing well. I will say it. Yeah. Um, no, but it, it, you have the talent. And I wonder, you know, looking at this, this Knicks team, because look, we, we know they are not as talented as the Mavs and, and a bunch of other teams. I don't know if I'm as quite as hopeful for a turnaround. And it makes me think again, I want to kind of lean on you as a professional athlete uh, who, who has been through this when it seems like it's an effort issue or like guys are, or like the body language stuff is bad. 
is that just really just a byproduct of like, look, we're not playing well right now. So it's going to seem like we are not trying perhaps as hard as we can be. And yes, I am talking about a couple of players. Well, let's say one player in particular, Julius Randle, who's been getting a lot of the, a lot of the the criticism here in New York, or, or does it all kind of like, how do you, do you get what I'm trying to get at here? Like where these things get jumbled? 100%. And I think one of the tough things in New York is to become a star in New York and stay a star in New York. You know, I can speak to, I think I've talked about it before, like Roberto Alomar, who I got traded with from Cleveland, he wanted nothing to do with the New York scene. It's a different scene. And I think Randall enjoyed it at first, but now the expectation is you are a third team, all NBA guy. You are considered a top second team. Second oh, team. Second, oh, wow. Second team. Okay. Second team. So, yeah. I, I think it's too far to say he was a top 10 player in the he game. He wasn't. Yeah. But no, he wasn't. To get that recognition. Uh, and he has national commercials now, right? I've seen them yep. that he has, and I can't remember what they are, but I remember going, damn, Julius Randle has hit it big. Like he's on a national spotlight now with, you know, spots uh, during NBA games and maybe even during NFL games. I've seen it, but he has maybe taken that fame and said, I did it. <laughs> and, and that's always tough, right? The superstars, when we think of Jordan, Kobe, whoever, you know, for maybe Patrick Ewing back in the day for New York, can you take that stardom? Can you take that fame of Georgetown and number one overall pick? And can you keep pushing yourself to say that's not enough? And that's why when we look at a guy like Michael Jordan during his Hall of Fame speech, and I'm, I was never obviously close to those guys, but I played with Mike Piazza. I played with guys that were very good players. Al Leiter, who I know is not a Hall of Famer, but great player, great uh, closer. Right. Is those guys would always look at somebody, something, some team and say, F that. I, well, Julius yeah. did that this week. Well, he did. <laughs> and you know what? Maybe that'll get Maybe. Maybe you'll get it going because I think that he, I'm just going off of theory and thinking here. That's maybe all we could do. Thought, maybe he thought I made it. I took New York from a nothing team to a number four seed. We almost made it. You know, we almost won a playoff series. I'm now getting all these calls about, Hey, you want to do this? You want to do that? You want to brand this? You want to brand that? And sometimes that can take you away from the ultimate goal of being the best basketball player you can possibly be. So I'm wondering if all of those great distractions, when I say great, because it puts more money in your pocket, more fame, maybe took him away from making his game a better game in 2021-22. Yeah, and I, I just wonder, I think like all of New York right now who roots for this team is just is wondering, is a turnaround possible like is there was was the you know obviously you know he exploded i know did he explode at the fans yeah i would say he exploded at the fans he was yelling pretty loudly on the court and he had a chance to backtrack and he didn't backtrack that's the other thing he did not backtrack after he had an opportunity to do so i just wonder is that is that the bottom like how do you know when you've Mm. when you've reached the bottom and like when when it turned because here's the thing you joke about it sometimes with me on twitter we've talked about it in the past you wished you had Julius Randle last season, right? Because this guy was doing things that are just special. We yeah. know the talent is in there. Again, if you were sitting in my seat and you were trying to look for a turnaround, would you would you still have hope that there is something in store? Well, I'll be honest. Not yeah, be honest, please. Not, not if you keep the same team around, because as much as I like Julius Randle, he's from Dallas. He's he's not a number one player on a on a championship contending team. And he's a guy who's 
he can be a number two, but you'd love for him to be a number three, like a number three. And you have a championship team. Like things have to go wrong for you to lose number two. You're like, Hey, I can do this. Cause you think of Chris Middleton just won a championship as a number sure. two player. And I would put him in a similar category, but when you look around the league and you look at, some of uh, the best teams you go, okay, like he can be a number two. We'd love for him to be a number three where you're making this, this discussion on, Hey, is, is Julius Randall our number two or is Chris Middleton our number two? It's like, man, we have an awesome team when we're having yeah. discussion. Good. And right now, <laughs> good problem. Julius Randall is your number one and it's not in question. Nobody to me, I like RJ Barrett. I don't love him, but I like him. He, he doesn't look like he can become a number one or at least, to me, not yet. Quickly's yeah. a really nice young player. Obi Toppin's a really nice young no, player. That guy's not here. We, we no, right. nobody's under any illusions that that. Guy's so that's here. why yeah. no. Would I be would I be hopeful that the Knicks can turn this around and become the number six seed in the East? Yeah, you can be hopeful there, but can you be hopeful that this team constructed can win a playoff series? Uh, to me, watching them play and they beat Boston the other night when I was watching when when uh, RJ yeah. hit the cut off. That was great. But you're not going to play Boston in the first round. You're going to yeah. have to play Chicago or or Brooklyn or Milwaukee if you make it that far. And I don't think that team can beat one of those teams. I think at this point for us, it's just about getting back to the brand of basketball that they played uh, last year and figuring out who they are, which good yeah. transition back to the Mavs, because it feels like the Mavs are figuring out who they are supposed to be. Um, and that does involve, obviously, Luka Doncic. Um, it also involves a, a lot of former Knicks. So we just brought up KP. Yeah. I guess we could talk, talk about him for a second. He's been playing well, uh, hasn't been able to stay on the court. Big surprise there. Right now it's with COVID, so we'll we'll give him a pass there. In your heart of hearts, do you think, and I don't, exp- I don't uh, think they'll do anything before the deadline, but do you think they're more comfortable now with him being there as like, okay, he's we're going to roll with, him as the number two, or do you think this season the best thing that's happened is maybe you know the old trade value gets pumped up a little bit and they still might have wandering eyes? Both, I think Cuban is dead set on this working. I think Mark Cuban has like married himself to this is going to be my iteration of Dirk and Nash. Okay, and I think that he he I don't believe it. A lot of fans here don't believe it because. Porzingis has played well this year. When he's been on the court, Jason Kidd has done a very nice job of using him more like a New York Nick. He does use the mid post more. Uh, They do try to create mismatches where, hey, what we want to do is we want to set up a play where a six foot five guy is going to be guarding you and you can shoot over him. You can take advantage of this mismatch where a lot of times he was more of a catch and shoot guy with Carlisle. And we got to interview KP about a month ago before COVID hit the team and before it hit him. And he was playing well. And he talked about pretty much, I didn't want to be in Dallas anymore. He didn't go this extreme, but pretty much saying, I didn't want to be in Dallas anymore if I had to do what Rick Carlisle was asking me to do because I was Interesting. I was not being used to my best abilities. And I think Kid has done a great job on trying to use him to his best abilities. And when you engage Porzingis on offense, like a lot of big men, when you engage him on offense, he is engaged on defense and he protects the rim and he gets his block shots. He's not a great rebounder for his size. He's an okay rebounder. He'll probably always be more of a seven to eight rebound guy. You'd love for him to be when Dirk was in his prime, 
Dirk would average 10 rebounds, but in the playoffs, he'd get you like 14 to 15 rebounds a game because he could just dominate the defensive glass. I don't think Porzingis has that in him. Yeah, I don't think so. Right. He's not Dirk. He'll never be Dirk. We just celebrated Dirk, but he can be a very good player. That being said, Jonathan, the reason us in Dallas would rather use him as a trade ship is because we don't believe he'll be healthy for a real playoff run. So it's and he'll get he'll get hurt. He just this year it's been back, ankle, and knee and COVID. And we're we're 40 games into a season. Thanks and he's this been year's good. Yeah, I know, he's been good. It's we don't we can't complain about his play on the court. We can only say, damn, every time we get rolling, something happens for a game or four games or six games, and then he comes back and it takes him a little bit of time to get into it. And then we're like, man, poor Zingas, and then something happens. Well, I um I'm not going to say I'm happy I'm seeing him play, that he's playing well. That would be disingenuous of me. But it's like, you know, his, I did, I will say this. I did actually, there was a part of me that started to feel bad for him from afar because it was just, <laughs> it was really not going well. Yeah. And at least, like, I mean, look, this guy was, he was a 22 year old all star, you know? Um, so it's, it's cool to see him at least doing what he's doing, even though if it, it, it kills me inside a little bit. Um, you have some other former Knicks, obviously, on this team. It's, it's, like a running joke at this point. Um, I, I'm trying to think where to let's talk about Reggie. Cause Reggie okay. Bullock is a guy who you have, I think been a little frustrated with uh, at times this season. It seems like he's coming around a little bit. He's still shooting under 32% from deep under 38% overall. Um, do you think the Mavs have buyer's remorse given him? What is it? Uh, th- basically three years at the full mid-level exception. Mark Cuban stubborn enough to say no. <laughs> of course I do. <laughs> the the Maverick fan does, but he has played well of late. After he, I believe, I, everything has had with injuries and everything. I can't remember what. I think it was COVID with him. After he came off the COVID list, he's been playing better. He's been knocking down his wide open threes more. Uh, like you said, Jonathan, when you came on our radio show, he does struggle. If you make, if you run him off the line and make him a ball handler and make him do something on the move, he stinks at it. He turns the ball over. He really can't finish at the rim if it's a contested, you know, he can dunk. If you give him a dunk or you give him an uncontested layup, that's fine. But as long as you have a big man contesting and now he has to make a contested layup or he has to make a decision, he has to make a good pass off of a big guy waiting for him around the rim. He usually turns it over or makes a pass that nobody can really do anything with. Because, you know, like, they always talk about on time, on target. He won't hit you in your kind of chest area. It'll be around the knees or it'll be like you have to take two steps this way to go get the ball. And by the time that happens in the NBA, the defense has recovered. So breaking down the defense really didn't matter at that point. I just think that there's, to me, watching Reggie play, and he's played better, there's 100 Reggie Bullocks in this league. And they're they're easier to find than giving $10 million to. That's what we've seen here. I hope I'm wrong. I hope that come playoff time or come late in the year, I'm like, God, where would we be without Reggie Bullock? But right now... Well, that was us last year. Okay. By the time we got to the... I I mean, it was Julius and Derrick Rose... But I would say all and people, RJ Barrett stands are going to kill me for this about when I say this about last year. I think Reggie Bullock was their third most important player last season because he was so reliable knocking down that open jumper and the chemistry with him and Randall. And I got to tell you, they miss him. 
I mean, there's no other way to say it because they they went and got Fournier because Fournier could do more stuff on the ball, right? That stuff that Reggie can't do, Fournier could do. I don't know a Nick fan right now that wouldn't want to make that swap. Fournier for Reggie Bullock. You know? I hear you because you guys have lost your toughness identity. Yeah. And he was part of that identity that you guys have lost. And they were trying to bring that here. And maybe it'll play out. Look, it's I know that we're halfway through the season. You can look at it like, my God, we're already halfway through the season. The Knicks are under 500 or Reggie Bullock sucks in Dallas. But there is time to change these things. And Reggie has a history of being a solid role player in the NBA. So for me to say he can't play in the NBA would be stupid because he's played in the NBA for a while and helped you guys out last year, has helped teams out before being a role player. But he hasn't played his best this year. Hopefully he can do better. He's actually taken time away from developing Josh Green, which hopefully you guys can see when he plays the Knicks. He, the 18th overall pick in the 2020 draft, he's in his yeah. second year, has really taken off these last. Oh, that's nice. That's that's great because I know there was a lot of uh, uh, consternation. I guess that he was picked ahead of what was it Sadiq? Was it Sadiq Bay or my or maybe uh, it was Sadiq Bay was 19. Yeah. Tyrese Maxey, who's from Dallas, was like 23rd, and then yeah. Desmond Bain, who played at TCU in well, Fort Worth down the street, was picked 29th, and he's been great. And when Desmond Bain went off for 29 points against the Mavs in like late November, early December. A whole bunch of articles were, lit, were written kind of like, hey, dumbasses, the dude who was playing 30 miles down the street is 100 times better than Josh Green. You guys screwed that one up bad. The next day, they started putting Josh Green in the rotation. So I think that show, <laughs> the media can have an effect on what happens on the court or on the field is – it was like, I guarantee you, Mark Cuban would never admit it. Mark Cuban probably said, hey, you got to play this kid a little bit. And yeah. it's, it's, it's honestly helped his development. And he's starting to show signs of being a nice role player for this team. Well, that's, that's good. I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how he looks. Uh, somebody else that I'm, you know, a soft spot here in my heart and, and for many Nick fans, uh, Frank Nilakina. I don't. Am I going to get to see him? I don't know. Is he in the rotation? Is he out of the rotation? I've I've noticed some some box scores. What's going on there with with Frankie Boy? Unfortunately, COVID knocked him out of the rotation. He had a little bit of an injury too. Maybe by the time, who knows? Um, but he's not playing anymore. Here's the deal: uh, Lucas come back from COVID, and he's taking up 34, 35 minutes at the guard position. Sure. Brunson has elevated his level. Today, we were having a discussion. He's a definite top 20 point guard in the league. Has he elevated himself to top 15 point guard in the league? Jalen Brunson? It's funny. I was having the same conversation with myself because I talk to myself about this team often because I'm a Looney Tune uh, about Derrick Rose earlier in the year when he was really, really getting after it. I think he was like third in the league in, in uh, plus minus. I was like, is he top 15? Because there's like, I don't know if you've done this exercise because I have, there's like a top 12 that are pr- top 10, 11, 12 that are like, no one's touching those guys. Right. And then there's another 10 or so where you could put some names in there. And if you told me right now that Jalen Brunson was in that group, Oh boy. It's an interesting conversation. I don't know. What do you guys yeah. think? We, I say top 20. Uh, my I think that's more fair. Yeah. My co-host Kevin was like, maybe even to top 15. And I couldn't do that there. I thought somewhere right around 20. Cause I had them like going into the season around 25 to 32. Like sure. one of the best backup point guards in the NBA and can start for a few teams. 
But now with Luca and Brunson starting together, that's also been a change that has really helped out getting Hardaway Jr. off of the starting lineup because he's a streak shooter. And when he's hot, he's hot. And he's a horrible defender. And Luca doesn't really care. Luca's not a bad defender. He just doesn't care to play defense a lot. He's kind of that James Harden mentality of like, <laughs> I can play it. I just don't feel like doing it, you know? It's like, when you're Luca Doncic, yeah. you could get away with that. So, yeah. You know. And when you, you know, I mean, the other night he went 22, 14, and 14, and he shot the ball horrible and still had 22, 14, and 14 because he's just freaking amazing at times. Uh, but Brunson has elevated his game, and that'll be something you guys will see. Uh, I'm pretty sure that Brunson will have a good game. Like Josh Green, who I just brought up, look, it's it's a few games. I'm, we're hoping. But he's a guy, Brunson, who is probably – he's a free agent. I was about to say, is there concern in Dallas? Because he's, he's unrestricted. He can go anywhere he wants. Yes. There is concern. That being, that being said, we're really hoping Cuban will say, I can't lose this guy. There's just no way you don't have his, you don't have the assets to lose him and not get something for. We're not opposed to signing and trading him. Like I brought it up today. Okay. Interesting. Is he a top 15 point guard in the league? And I said, well, I don't want to elevate him to like, he's a number three on a championship team. I don't want to elevate him to that status yet. Cause then I threw it back to him. I said, here's my question. Julius Randle, thumbs down. New York fans are pissed off. Would you trade Jalen Brunson right now in a sign-in trade? Let's say it was the offseason, so the financially it would work. Would you trade Jalen Brunson for Julius Randle? Because he's probably going to trend towards close to $20 million a year in the free agent market. And so, he said we would trade Brunson for Julius Randle. So Fred Van, um, so Fred Van Fleet's going to make the All-Star team. So I want to – Jalen Brunson, I don't – I'm not putting him – all due respect to Jalen Brunson, I'm not putting him there yet. Oh, he won't uh, make the All Star team. No. no, no, I'm just I'm even if he got the usage because Fred Van Fleet. Uh, the nice thing about Fred Van Fleet is now that Kyle Lowry's gone, he gets the whole uh, it's his show. Which okay, so if you gave Jalen Brunson that opportunity, I'm I don't know that I could say he would do what I mean. You would know better than me, but I don't know that I could say he's doing what Freddie's doing. But man, I'd sure wonder right to see him is, and. Yeah, when Luca was out with his ankle injury and COVID, I, I saw some of those box scores, man. Yeah, Brunson was averaging right around 17 and a half points and eight assists a game. So it gives you an idea if you didn't have a Luca and Brunson had to be the starting point guard and kind of have the, the control of the game, what would he be? And you could now you could say, well, hell, that, that 10 game stretch there, he was about 17, 18 points and about seven, eight assists a game. And so Freddie two years ago or a year and a half ago got um, 21 a year. And that was below market. Cause I, I am pretty confident that the Knicks would have given him more than that. If he, if he had wanted to come here, he didn't, he didn't want to come here. Um, can Jalen get 20 a year? I, I bet somebody will give him 20 a year, right? Yeah. I mean, Hey, I'm not a big fan of Tim Hardaway jr. As in, I like him as a person. He's a great streak shooter. He just got 20 million a year. I, I mean, listen, we could talk he's about better, some of the players. He's better than Tim Hardaway Jr. Brunson's better than Tim Hardaway Jr. by far. I, I, I hope that's not a controversial. I look, I, we love Timmy, but yeah. I hope that's not a controversial statement. Yeah, I, I don't know. Um, it'll be really interesting, obviously, the connection because um, uh, Jalen's dad was Leon. I think it was his very first client. Um, and, uh, you know, so the, the family ties run deep. Also with Tom Thibodeau, uh, Jalen's dad was assistant for Tom for many years. Uh, we'll see. Um, but it's good to hear that he's playing well. Um, so Frank, we may not get to see him. One other guy I have to ask you about. So 
I developed a soft spot last year for Theo Pinson. I know he hasn't been around for long with you guys. He just signed it. I think it was today. He signed a two-way contract. We're yeah. recording this on, on Monday. Um, have you gotten any of the Theo flair yet from the, the, the bench, the bench stuff, like the, the dancing oh. and any of that? Yesterday, the other day when they played the Chicago Bulls and the Mavs played great basketball and beat them 113 to 99, people were on Twitter like, who's the dude in sweats that's acting like the head coach over there? And it's like, yeah, this is this new kid, Theo Penson. Like, uh, he's he, uh, he's a 10-day contract guy. They're talking about possibly signing him to a two-way contract type of deal. And you would have thought he was the head coach of the team the way that he was on the sideline, like, as they're on defense screaming and putting his hands up. Like, you got to do – and we're like – damn, this kid's really into the game for just being in sweats and on the, like he couldn't, he didn't suit out. Like he couldn't play. And it was like, dude, this dude is into the game. Like this is game seven of the NBA finals and stuff. You know, there, uh, there are people, including potentially someone you may be talking to literally right now who would blame some of the Knicks difficulties this season on the fact that, um, that, so that certain something, that special something is not there anymore. And Pinson had a lot to do with that last year. You know, you might, you might laugh, but he was a big part of our, our, uh, the bench enthusiasm and the culture and the whole thing. Um, see, my daughter's still upset that, uh, he, he's gone. <laughs> the journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn Nicotine Pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zinn 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire. By famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady. Live only on Netflix. Two more, and then I'm going to get you out of here because you're, you're amazing with your time. Um, first, about Dirk. Uh, you were in the building the other night yeah. when uh, his uh, jersey got r- risen to the, the rafters. The, the Mavs, of course, won that game in his honor. But I think you guys held the Warriors to like 80-something points, right? The defensive efficiency right now, since Kid said had that speech on this isn't a team built for defense and stuff. They're number one. Yeah, they're, they're like one, right? Yeah. yeah, they're top three since that speech. Crazy. Um, what was that like to be in the building? And if you want, you know, just your, your thoughts on Dirk. I almost like, I, I honestly, I would tell you, I got just a little bit lump in the throat, just <laughs> thinking about that uh, moment again, because, and I don't know for the New York Nick fan is, is Patrick Ewing. Who's the greatest New York Nick of all time. It's it's, it's so it's, you know, for me, it's Ewing. I think for most people it's Ewing. I think, even Clyde, uh, Clyde Frazier, who's the wow. other contender for that spot, I think if you gave him truth serum, he'd, he'd probably even admit it. I mean, Ewing's, his numbers are so, I mean, go to literally any any stat. It, it, it yeah. blows away. You know, I was, I'll, a quick aside, I was looking today because I, I was writing a little something about Marcus Camby. Uh, Marcus Camby is second all-time in uh, playoff blocks for the Knicks with uh, 70. Ewing has 299. 
playoff blocks. It's like, and there are a hundred, there's a hundred stats like that. So it's Ewing. I, but the difference, I mean, obviously the difference, he didn't win a championship here, but I, there were also, and it's come up this week because of the Julius thing. There were also a couple of little testy moments here in New York. So for as much as Ewing holds a very special place in the, in the hearts of Nick fans, I don't know that it's on that level. It's, it's like, that makes Dirk so special is yes, he was. So it wasn't like he was drafted, like not drafted or like a late, late first round. So he was a lottery pick, but it was like, we were so pissed off here when it happened. We were like, cause we had Cherokee parks. If you can remember him or I, I remember the drafts, the Paul Pierce, the, uh, yeah. yeah well, the, um, there was, a, there was a play. Oh, the guy he got traded for tractor trailer. Yeah, tractor trailer. Luckily, that was a pre-done deal because I wasn't very happy about taking taking him either. Um, but like, it was just like, how many white guys can we draft that uh, like they all suck? Can we just can we, <laughs> can we get this out? Like, you trade for Eric Montross, you draft Chris Anstey from Australia or wherever he was from, and it was just like, guys, let's stop doing this. And Dirk did not get off to a good start in his career. The the strike shortened season, he wasn't very good. And then the first part of his second year, he wasn't very good. And then part of that second year, he starts playing better and better and better. And you're like, hey, we might have hit on something here. Mm-hmm. And so there was this growth of this, this person into not a good basketball player to a pretty good basketball player. He's changing the game like – we have the seven footer out there that when you're watching TNT, they're like, what the hell is this kid doing? Like, <laughs> is like, no, this is, he is a seven foot shooting guard. You know, I don't care that he has the, the height of a center seven foot shooting guard and allowed him to do that and become that player that he became. And it was just this beautiful relationship and this growth from the worst franchise of the decade in the nineties to all of a sudden we're making the playoffs we're winning in the playoffs. And he was our guy. And he was just so humble. You just couldn't believe how humble he was. And at one point when it wasn't working out in like 2008 and uh, Kobe's pissed off in LA, Dirk goes to Mark Cuban and says, Hey, I understand if you need to trade me to get Kobe, do it. Like it'll, you know, and Mark Cuban's like, I'm not going to do that, Dirk. I'm if I'm going to try to trade for Kobe, but I'm going to it's like, I understand Kobe's better. If you need to trade me to get him, you can do it. You know, type of deal. and Kobe was like, I'm only coming to Dallas to play with you. I'm not coming to Dallas to like send you to LA. But I mean, that was the type of person he was and is. It's so funny you bring that up because my, not my first memory of Dirk, but the, the, in 2004, when um, it was uh, Kobe and Shaq basically issued the ultimatum, like, one of us is not going to be here anymore because we can't stand playing with each other. And it was obviously Shaq who uh, was going to get traded. Um, I remember that summer there was like, well, you could train to Dallas. And, and then the word was like, well, yeah, except Dallas isn't going to give up Dirk. And I was a Shaq guy. I love Shaq. To me, Shaq was like the epitome of, of everything. Um, And I'm like, what are they crazy? They're not going to trade this kid to get, to get it's Shaq. I mean, it's Shaq. And, but then I'm like, well, wait a minute, hold on. No, they're not crazy. He, this kid is that good. And I, and that's when it, it hit me like, wow, he's, this guy's going to want to be one of the all-time greats. And obviously, you know, he is. It's he's the greatest for I'm 44 years old. And for most people that are around my age, somewhere between like late thirties and let's say 50 years old, 
as much as the Cowboys had the dynasty with Aikman and Emmett and Irvin, like he's our guy. Uh, if That's you awesome. Care, if you care about all sports, let's just say you care about all sports. Some people just care about football, but like if you care about baseball, basketball, hockey, football, Dirk is it for us. You know, we didn't grow. I didn't grow up with Roger Stahlbach. I mean, he's an unbelievable person, and in his own right, for people that are my dad's age, it's it's Roger, right? But for but for us here in Dallas, he played 21 years here. He never asked out. You know, yes, he at times was frustrated with losing, but I mean, he was like, this is my team. It's old school, right? This doesn't happen anymore, especially in the NBA. He's like, I'm going to try to figure out a way to bring our team to the top. And And I'm not going going to to leave because it's not going well. I'll try to figure out a way how to make it better. But not only did he do it, he did it in a way that I think it doesn't matter what team you root for. Everybody loves that 2010-11 Dallas Mavericks team, yeah. you know, and I have to say it's it's not only because of how they did it, but it's because of who they beat. And they, yeah, they did it, the you know, the quote unquote right way. And, and they and Dirk you know. won't say it publicly, but he said it enough privately that people like Karan Butler, or Brendan Hayward or Jason Terry, J.J. Beret, a lot of guys from that team would say he really wanted to beat the heat. Because he, first of all, lost in 06 and didn't like Dwayne Wade. And then second of all, he did not like the, it's not going right for me in my city. So I'm going to team up with two other guys to make it easy. He, he truly kind of, I don't know why, maybe it's because he's from Germany, not from the United States, but he didn't have that AAU mentality. He didn't have that. Let's just go make an all-star team somewhere and win it all. He felt like the way Larry Bird felt about the Celtics or Patrick felt about the Knicks or Magic felt about the Lakers or Jordan about Chicago. Like, this is my team and I'm going to figure it out. And it just, for us, you can't ask for anything more than the 100% commitment because I might be fans of other players and I might kind of root for the Knicks, but the Mavericks are my team. That's my do or die team. The Knicks are your do or die team. And somehow this person from Germany came to Dallas and said, this is my do or die team. It's it's amazing that that you got that. Um, Last thing before I let you go, just about this year's team. Um, I think I said it, Andrew, can I, can I tap you in here for half a second? Did I say on our Patreon pod that I had, the Mavs as a dark horse finals contender at some point in the last yeah. few episodes. You yeah. Did. Okay. You also, I think before the season predicted the either a three or a four seed that they could get up yeah. to as high as that. Yeah. So I'm, I'm high on this team. Do you think that there is a world where this team can, I'll just leave it a little bit more general, make some noise uh, in the playoffs. Before Christmas, I would have said you're full of crap, Jonathan. They're, this is not a good team. I don't even know if they'll make a top six spot. They'll probably be in the play-in situation, maybe get out of that, then get hammered by Golden State or Phoenix. But right now, I am optimistic as we sit here today. That being said, if they're going to make any noise in the playoffs, Luka's going to have to mature. I, he's a top five player in the league. Uh, you can't argue top 10. You can argue top five, but you can't argue he's a top 10 player in the league. So we have that piece that you need, the superstar to lead you. But he still is only 22. And I'm reminded by like Magic Johnson when they did kind of the Lakers-Celtics documentary. Yeah. And you listen to him. And they didn't go to Magic. As great as Magic Johnson was, he won a championship his rookie year, filling in for, for uh, Kareem at center. Pat Riley went to him in 1986 after they had lost to the Rockets. 
That's seven years into his career and said, magic, I need you to be the leader of this team and take more responsibility. Now that's one of the greatest players in basketball history that they didn't ask till 26, 27, 28 years old to then you got to take charge. And he's like, have you talked to Kareem about this? And so I have to remember that he's only 22 and even people like Magic Johnson and recently LeBron and know how great LeBron is, was, and took his team to a finals before it was probably ready to even compete there. He yep. still was immature and he still struggled with maturity and Luca's doing the same. Luca has to mature at a stage that most people don't want to mature at. Porzingis has to become a healthy basketball player. That's a lot to ask. And then these role players who right now, Maxi Kleba and Dorian Finney-Smith and Reggie Bullock and Josh Green are playing an unbelievable role. They are doing their job to perfection as the role players. They all have to stay at that level. Yeah. Can they all do that? Tim Hardaway Jr., I didn't mention him because he really has not had a good year. He's been horrible. But I know what he can be. He can be a great streaky shit yeah. and get hot. He'll, he'll win you a game or two and then he'll lose you. you know, right. Hopefully not too many Games. Can yeah. all those guys play up to those expectations and those roles? If they can, Jonathan, you're going to look like a genius and this team can be super dangerous. But it's a lot of things that have to go right for them to knock off. I would say Golden State and Phoenix to me are by far the favorites in the West. Utah's always winning a lot of regular season games and losing. I was about to round. say, don't have Utah in that conversation. Interesting. Okay. I, I, Here's why, Jonathan. I collect cards and I bought too much Donovan Mitchell last year <laughs> thinking that Utah was going to make the NBA finals. And then they lost to the Clippers without Kawhi. Like that didn't make any sense to me. So I've kind of, to me, they're on a prove it. I've, I've written them okay. off as they're going to win 55 games and they're going to lose in the first or second round. Until they prove different, that's who they are to me. Memphis is interesting. I don't think they're ready to win playoff series, but they're an up and coming team. Yeah. And then I can't write off the Lakers because LeBron <laughs> is still great. Anthony Davis is kind of, he's better than Porzingis, but he has that Porzingis problem of, of showing up and being healthy. Not having so a great Lakers, year. The Lakers scare me because Anthony Davis and LeBron have already won a title together and they still, when they are together are very good. So that's a lot. They got to knock off one of those teams. And then you knock off, let's just say, you knock off Utah, then you'd have to knock off Golden State or Phoenix. That's a lot to ask. I think if they can get at least to the 4-5, and then you don't have to play all three of those teams. You know what I mean? Yeah. So if you're the 4 of the 5, you just, you get hopefully you, you could get past the first round. Yeah. You get then, Memphis, right? A young team without experience. Yeah. And I don't want to disrespect Memphis, but they've, John Morant is freaking incredible. Um, but I, I'll give that series to Dallas, and then you you take your shot against. Maybe you'll maybe you'll get your your wish, and you, uh, you they'll play Utah, and that'll be you know I can see Utah getting the one seed. In which I case, still want I still want payback. I love Golden State Warriors, and Steph Curry had nothing to do with it. But if if they got the one seed, and Clay Thompson came back, and they got James Wiseman, and they're like, we're back, we're gonna do it. And then we believe your ass and we knock you out the way you guys did in 07 when it looked like we had a championship team. We yeah. lost the finals. You win 67 games. We're on our way to the championship. They yeah. knock, I, would, I love Curry. I love that organization. Hate what they did to us in 07. But if we could knock them out when they think they're on top of the world and we're like, yeah, take that. We believe. 
that would be uh, that would be a fun series uh, as well. Uh, we'll see what happens. Uh, the next step for you guys is, uh, you know, to just get there in, in one piece. Uh, the next, hopefully we'll, we'll, we'll get there ourselves. Um, this was awesome. Mike, before I let you go, can you just uh, please remind the good folks at home uh, where they can find you and your stuff? Well, I'm on one Oh five, three, the fan uh, that's in Dallas, Fort Worth here. And you can check us out on the Odyssey app. If you ever want to listen to right now, a lot of Dallas Cowboys talk is there in the playoffs. Hopefully when you see this, they're still in the playoffs. <laughs> and, um, and uh, obviously we're the home of the Texas Rangers. I do, Rangers, uh, Texas Rangers pre and post on Valley Sports Southwest uh, if they have a season this year, which I'd like to get paid money. So hopefully they come to an agreement <laughs> at some point with those greedy owners. I'm a former player, so it's all the owner's fault. I agree. And, it's all the owner's fault. And, uh, you know, that's about it. Uh, I like uh, listening to you guys. And just remember, Nick fans, you can always send us Julius Randle. Once you get, hey, that's a bunch of crap. You should get rid of them and send them back <laughs> We'll give you, who do you guys, we'll give you, we'll give you Tim Hardaway Jr. I was about to say, you're not, you're not parting off. We've had Timmy twice already. Third time is not the (laughs) time. You guys can turn it around. Hopefully I'm rooting for the Knicks. I like lefties. I like Julius. I like RJ Barrett. There's talent there. It's just, it's not coming together and they probably need to make a move. I don't know exactly what that move is. Honestly, I'd love to see you guys get Damian Lillard. I don't know how to pull that off, but that would be really fun because Damien can be the one move Randall. Let's say you don't have to trade him in the move and then Randall can be his two. And that would make more sense because as good as Randall is on the ball, he's still, he's not Damien Lord. He's not Luca. He's not the premium guys with the balls in their hand. He needs the ball out of his hands more. He's not the guy that should be creating as much as he does in New York. You, you, you sound like every Nick fan who has watched this team this year. So you're, in good company. <laughs> um, yeah, we'll see. Maybe we'll, we'll maybe you yeah, never know. Maybe Dame's not the craziest thing in the world. Uh, one step at a time. We'll, we'll see what happens. Uh, this was awesome. Everybody out there go uh, follow Mike, listen to Mike, listen to his yeah. pod, every, anything Mike's on. And let's go Mets, on. man. Let's go Mets. You sign, you, you know, you, you got Max, you got my guy, Lindor. Let's go Mets. Got yeah, that's absolutely right. Go Mets. And like, not for nothing, John, I don't know if you noticed this, but there's two teams that spent a ton of money this offseason before the strike happened. But it's the New York Mets and the Texas Rangers. You guys got what? Corey Seager and somebody else. I forget who. Marcus Simeon. Yeah. So like a guy, a guy that finished top three in MVP for the Blue Jays last year, hit 40 home runs. Um, are you one of the best? Uh, so that's your middle infield now. Wow. That's and we got and we got Al Leiter's son, Jack. In the draft. So you guys got Jack Leiter in the draft. I didn't know that. Yeah. So hopefully, you know, that'll be a year or two down the road, but hopefully Jack, uh, you know, in like 2023 can start making noise here. I I believe you just said a Mets Rangers world series. For I was about to say, <laughs> you heard we'll it here. Back fo- on first, and folks. we'll just talk all about it. There we go. <laughs> all right, fellas. That was fun. Awesome stuff, Mike. Thanks so much. All right. Thank you for checking out another episode of the Knicks Film School podcast. Hope you enjoyed that conversation with Mike. Uh, I know I did. He's the best. Um, don't forget, check us out on the uh, post game live stream for the aforementioned um, Dallas Mavericks game, as well as, as well as, what are we doing during the game? Oh, playback. Yes, I forgot. How could I forget? There you go. Playback, uh, where you will get mine and uh, Andrew's and Jeremy's. Uh, live reaction to just you and me, Jeremy. Oh yeah, that's game. right. Jeremy's at the game. So just yeah. me and you, we're holding it down the fort, but we're, you're going to get our live reaction to uh, Frank Nilakina sighting perhaps. 
Um, that'll be fun. That'll be interesting. I haven't, yes. I, I'll be honest. I have not, I've watched a few Mavs games this year. I don't think I've seen him on the floor yet. I, I have, I have. It's actually yeah. some of the games he's contributed to. He had a okay. weird, weird play earlier in the year where he, he put up a shot off the, the, the illegal play where you throw the ball off the backboard oh, okay. and catch it, which you then can't dribble again. And he did that and got, got the points and the refs didn't call it. Regardless, I've, I've seen Frank play and actually be productive for the Mavs as Mike lays out though. Jalen Brunson and Luka Doncic kind of create a log jam, you know? Uh, yeah, there you go. I wonder, I, I that's <laughs> I wonder how many of the Mavs fans are, are uh, lighting their, their torches and raising their pitchforks to, to get Frank more minutes. Mm-hmm. Um, conversation for another day. Anyway. Yeah. So check us out on playback. If anybody's uh, wants to be a part of that and is not yet um, on uh, Patreon, you can sign up for the mellow tier or up and you can get uh, access to the playback feature and watch the game along with us. Um, other than that, if you like the pod, feel free to drop a uh, review, leave us a five-star rating. Uh, we appreciate it. It helps us out and uh, we will be back with you with another episode very soon. Peace out.